0: You're listening to Code Switch. I'm Shereen Marisol Meraji,
1: And I'm Gene Demby. Shereen. Yes. Welcome back. It's been too long.
0: Thank you so much. Um, I'm glad to be back, mm. sort of, <laughs> <laughs> from my honeymoon in New Zealand for our listeners who didn't know that that's why I was gone. I'm not gonna lie, Gene. New Zealand was amazing. You and look now, beautiful I'm, from your pictures. Oh, so beautiful. And now I'm totally obsessed um, with the filmmaker Taika Waititi.
1: That's a dope name.
0: Yes, he's from New Zealand. He's mm. half Maori, half Russian Jew. He's 100% brilliant. Oh, I see
1: what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: he's super down with his Maori culture. And mm-hmm. it's obvious if you watch his films, he has a film called Boy Amazing, okay. a film called Hunt for the Wilder People. I'm about to watch um, this. Documentary that he did called What We Do in the Shadows, which is like this vampire comedy mockumentary.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I want to have him on Code Switch because I feel like there's a lot of Code Switch fodder we can talk to him about. It
1: sounds like it. It sounds like it. Taika,
0: if you're listening to this, we want you on the show when you're done directing Thor, of course.
1: Speaking of the show, he's directing Thor?
0: (laughs) He is. Wow. He's big time now.
1: So speaking of the show, on this week's episode of Coast Switch, we are talking about something we've been calling on our team the explanatory comma.
0: It's like Tupac Shakur, comma, the rapper slash actor who did this and that and all this other stuff. And we're going to explain to you who he is. Or, you know, Taika Waititi, the right. filmmaker from New Zealand. He's part Maori, part Russian Jew and 100% brilliant.
1: So- that little aside <laughs> <laughs> there, that's the explanatory comma. And it's not really a hard and fast line when we should use it. And for our Tupac episode, we didn't do any POX planning at the beginning, right? We just went into it. This is how it sounded. I know how it's going to be when I die. It's going to be no noise. You're going to hear people screaming. I'm going to fade out.
0: If you don't recognize that voice, I'm not going to lie, I'm judging you a little bit. (laughs) It's Tupac Shakur from an MTV interview back in 1995. Pog died 20 years ago this week, and he's done anything but fade out. So some of you felt left out from the very start of our Tupac episode, and maybe it's because we didn't use that explanatory comma in the beginning.
1: Yeah, in fact, we got an email signed quote, 54-year-old white woman still trying to learn something.
0: She writes, and this is a condensed version of her email, Mm -hmm. I'm a podcast subscriber to Code Switch, and I really enjoy your show. I just listened to the segment on Tupac. This particular show felt like an insider's look at a beloved entertainer. I feel kind of sad now because I felt like throughout the segment, I was looking in through the window. I wasn't ever invited inside. I can see that you love Tupac, but you never helped me to love him. I'm disappointed.
1: So, Shereen, there's obviously a lot of stuff going on in that letter, um, mm-hmm. a lot of expectations you had. But for our purposes, it got us wondering, when is it appropriate for us to explain stuff that we think people should know? And when is it appropriate for us to just let people figure it out in context? And how right. do you decide when to let people just look through the window, as she said? So, Shereen, you know, this reminds me a little bit of the many conversations we've been having lately about, you know, being a racial ambassador.
0: Yes. A lot of people also emailed us (laughs) to say, you know, they're tired of using these explanatory commas in their personal lives. They're tired of being ambassadors. They're tired of explaining things. And they don't want to do it anymore. And it's not just black and white or brown and white. There's definitely stuff lost in translation when we're talking to each other, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The references we don't get all the time.
0: So we wrestle with this question every time we do an episode Mm -hmm. and every time we write a story. When do we use the explanatory comma? When don't we? Mm -hmm. And we invited Hari Kondabolu on the show to help us think through the conundrum.
1: (laughs) We'll be joking up with him after the break. And here goes the explanatory comma. Take it away, Shireen.
0: Hari Kanabolu is a comedian who talks about race and has a podcast of his own called Politically Reactive. That was good. They do an outsized version of what we're calling the explanatory comma on their podcast, and they call it Hold Up, Wait a Minute. It's
2: like you want to reach as many people as possible. You have to do it, and I do
1: it reluctantly. <laughs> Don't go away. This is Code Switch. Let's take a moment to thank and share a message from our sponsor, LearnVest. Did you know the average indebted American household has over $16,000 in credit card debt? And 31% of Americans have zero retirement savings? The good news is LearnVest is here to help. LearnVest is redefining financial planning by making it affordable and accessible to everyday Americans. When you work with LearnVest, you tell them what you want to accomplish with your money. And they'll create a customized financial plan to help you get there. To see a financial plan and get a $50 credit, go to learnvest.com slash codeswitch. Are you the kind of person that responds to peer pressure? Nope. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if I tell you to do something now that is dicey or shady, would you still do it?
0: Nope, Never
1: what if, okay, Shereen. what if I asked you to do something that's actually really good?
0: Oh, well, then maybe. Actually, probably.
1: (laughs) Like helping to support public radio where you live. That's a good thing.
0: Oh, totally do that. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: Go to stations.npr.org to find your local station wherever you live. And donate a few bucks and tell them codes which sent you.
0: Don't forget that part.
1: You could even become a monthly contributor. Again, stations.npr.org. Thanks. And now back to our episode on the Explanatory Comma.
0: Time to bring in Hari Kondabolu. He's a comedian whose jokes keep him on NPR and off television. <laughs> yeah. His words, not mine. And I, I laugh,
2: but I'm in pain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he co-hosts the politically reactive podcast with Kamal Bell. Welcome to Code Switch.
2: Oh my god, thank you for having me. It's an honor.
0: Do you listen to this podcast?
2: No, but I've heard of it. What? <laughs> I don't know. listen to
0: podcasts. Come I don't on, watch man. television.
2: I don't. Know. Well, we listen here's to here's what I do. Okay. Yes, I, Tom, I, if there was a Law and Order podcast, which I heard there was recently, I would listen to that. Mm-hmm. And on TV, I watch <laughs> Law and Order. And the scripts I'm writing are they're heavily Law and Order influenced. So yeah. basically, that's all I have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we brought you on because uh, I was listening to your podcast. And I know now that you don't listen to ours. Uh, mm. Politically Reactive. And you had Essie Cup on. This was a couple months ago, it was before the election. Essie Cup is a conservative political commentator. She used the
1: word "cuck." Can we say "cuck"? Do we? Is that a people a...
0: And basically, you guys were like, "Hold up! Wait a minute!" And you left the interview and you went into this two-minute-long definition of "cuck" for your audience. Every
2: time I hear that word, stomach turns. <laughs> I just know, a little, right? Just, <laughs> it just sounds disgusting. Hold up! Wait a minute. Okay, that was a, a very cringeworthy educational moment. If you're unfortunate enough to Google the term cuck, you'll find that it's got a fetish meaning and a political meaning. We're talking about the second and kind of the first two. So to properly explain this, we are going to dive into the Manosphere. And you
0: basically said it's what alt-right folks call people who are, you know, pro-feminist, anti-racist, that kind of thing. It's an insult, obviously. So you did this whole thing. There was music underneath. It was highly produced. And Mm -hmm. um, we loved it. Mm -hmm. And we were wondering where that idea came from.
2: The uh, hold-up-wait-a-minute segment? Yeah. Yes.
0: Oh, it's a whole segment that you guys do more than once?
2: Oh, have you not listened to the podcast?
0: Well, I've (laughs) listened. every time Oh, that's
2: funny uh, yeah we do we do it every time that's funny oh you didn't get a chance to listen to the no, podcast i guess I to the... it's, it's a regular feat. people actually Harry. say that my show they say hold up wait a minute <laughs> that's funny that's funny huh cut this out run <laughs> cut no this leave out. this in leave this in <laughs> <laughs>
1: all
0: right hold up wait a minute where'd it come from yeah where
1: did that come from
2: I mean, Kamal and I were both, um, both of us believe in making sure the audience is up to speed enough where we can actually make the jokes we want to make and have the conversations we want to have. Like, yeah. we're both known to do that. That's why I think people call us professorial, uh, which also might be because they don't think we'll make money. Um, but <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, we knew that we had to find some way to define some of this stuff because like some of it was kind of wonky and and some of it was like inside and You know, we want somebody who's older and maybe doesn't, you know, use the Internet the way millennials do to understand the show. And we want people like me who have no idea what's going on outside of law and order to know, like, (laughs) what these terms are and how cable news works. So, um, you know, it basically is an explanatory comma. But as long as it gets us up to speed, then after that
1: point, you know, we can really push the conversation further. How do you guys decide what? In the conversation deserves that, like, hold up, wait a minute, explanatory, comma, treatment. I mean, a big part of it is trying
2: to think about who the audience is mm-hmm. and what kind of audience you're trying to reach, right? right? And for us, we're trying to get as many people as possible. So, you know, we had Dream Hampton on and when Dream was on, like, we defined tons of, like, hip-hop terms and, and the name, like, who different rappers were. And while I was doing because that's the thing, I thought about the fact that, like, I hate the fact we're doing this so older white people understand. Yeah. yeah,
1: that feeling. And at
2: the same time, I want them to understand because these figures are not just rap figures. They're important figures. Tupac is, to me, a historical figure. He had a great deal of influence. The same thing with Biggie. You have to mention both. Otherwise, it's bad. And also, I'm from the East Coast. Yeah, thank you. And, Whatever. What? I'm from the West Coast. Thank Tupac. Yes. <laughs> but, like, I want everybody to be on that conversation. I want people to know who these these people are that I'm referencing, and the songs, and you know, this is part of the culture I grew up with, and I feel like they should get it. But at the same time, while I was explaining it, you know, I was kind of pouting, like, "Who doesn't know who LL Cool J is? Yep. Are you serious?" Mm-hmm. So you, you know, were being transparent
0: like that. about that. You were, you were like, "Come on, dummy!"
2: Yeah, when I think it's something that people should know, or, or more often than not, where I think it's. Stuff Because, you know, the whole idea of the explanatory comma often ends up being stuff that is uh, about people of color, marginalized groups because of how white supremacy works and what gets put out into the mainstream. Like ours is the stuff that has to get explained. Sure. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, like, to me, I wanted to explain it because I want to reach as many people as possible because we're talking about lots of complicated and big things. And at the same time, I wanted to make it clear to to listeners who do know what I'm talking about that— you know this is this is also for us and mm-hmm. you shouldn't feel like you know this section isn't for you and me reacting that way is my way of winking at you
1: okay that that is a thing that i think we feel a lot right it's like oh, are we are we talking to white people here when we do that? You know what I mean. That yeah. that sort of specific anxiety over really, life. yeah. I mean NPR, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, who would have guessed? Um, but there's other stuff where you're like, oh, well, if you don't know that, you can just Google it. Like you can you can miss that reference. It's fine.
2: It just feels one sided. I mean, that's the part that frustrates me the most. Like, really yes. NPR, like you think I know who Marina Abramovich is? Like,
0: I have no idea who that
2: is. He, she's like a performance uh, artist, and you know, she did a thing with Jay Z once, which was a big mainstreaming, and then she complained about it later. And uh,
0: there was probably no explainer after her. The, name. No, there's right. no
2: explainer. Or not one that felt equivalent to, you know, like the Tupac example that you gave. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it speaks volumes about who an audience is, who they're targeting, who is valued uh, when it's only one sided. So I don't I don't mind the comma. I think it's important to put people on the same page. I mind when it's not fairly distributed.
0: Do you and come out, talk to your producer? Do you talk to each other and say, oh, you know, we wish we would have explained this thing better um, when you listen back to the podcast? And do you have any yeah. examples of where you were like, oh, we probably lost people when we were talking about such and such?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, because the turnaround time for the podcast, because it's weekly, you know, and, and both their schedules come out and I have really busy schedules and so it becomes really difficult. So sometimes... We miss a few things, but certainly uh, during the um, you know Hassan Minaj episode, you know we defined a few things. But there was a ton of comedy references that we didn't explain. Like he said some words in Hindi that we didn't explain. Mm. Like biryani, like we didn't explain what biryani is. Mm. And yeah. I would like to think people know what biryani is. But that's a gr- N- NPR. People would explain. I would hope. Actually, I don't hope they, you would hope. They, they, uh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I would hope they wouldn't. I mean, I guess I would only say hope because if nobody knows, at least they know this is delicious dish exists, and it's not just like the, You mean the Eastern version of paella? I mean, I would lose my mind. I would lose my mind.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, what if you do the explanatory comma wrong? Like, what if you say your, your explanation is actually trash? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to
2: be careful because then you you're, it. It almost causes more damage, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and. And also the, how you minimize something that's important to a group of people. Like, you know, to, uh, the thing with hold it wait a minute on our podcast is that it can go for a while. I mean, it's part yeah. of what makes it great. An explanatory comma, you can't write a page after a comma and then end the comma and continue the sentence. I right. mean, you really have to be brief and it's going to be minimizing. So, you know, sometimes I wonder, like. Should we actually just do a parenthesis after and just make a longer explanation? Or is, is a footnote better in written form, I mean? Mm-hmm. Or is there another way to do it? Because I think sometimes you really have to put time in to, to define the terms and define the people. And it's worth
1: it if people get a, a fuller picture. Do you think other people of color need the, the comma sometimes to understand each other, right? I mean, yeah. it's not just white folks who don't get it, right? I mean, often on our oh, team, yeah. sometimes we talk to each other. and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about right now.
2: Yeah, I mean sometimes I think, you know, the the white people is also kind of a slang, right? It's like for for a larger thing like white supremacy or privilege or whatever sure. else. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you know, it doesn't always just mean literally all white people. That's not what it means, but it's kind of we're all being forced to live in a system of white supremacy and therefore the majority of the references we're going to get fed are things that are dominant in white culture and is claimed to be American culture and only American culture. Mm. And then we have our other stuff, you know, like our our family stuff, our community stuff. And, you know, that's, that becomes our other consciousness. But still, there's that overarching, everything is filtered through a white lens. I'm going to know a certain version of history. I'm as ignorant about black as, maybe not as ignorant, but I'm certainly more ignorant about black history than I should be mm-hmm. if I was taught properly about how this country actually was created. And that's because, you know, this is, again, system of white supremacy. That's that's how that works. You know, right. we are less than. So, yeah, so, I think it's, it's not just white people.
0: What about in your comedy? Is it different or the same? You know, I was listening to mainstream American comic it was recorded in Portland Oregon so Oof. I'm assuming that most of your audience was white actually you made a bunch of jokes about how mm-hmm. everyone's white
2: I mean Portland's so white that when I see a white dude with like face tattoos I consider them a person of color at this point <laughs> minority head not stay strong brother stay strong. I hear that at my shows in the in cities like Portland like every person of color is there and they know each other and they're like oh my god it's everybody, um, <laughs> and, it's, and it's still mostly white. <laughs> right.
0: So, do you feel like you have to explain things in a different way in Portland than you do in Queens or something?
2: Um, do you a- hmm. add
0: more explanatory commas to your comedy?
2: It's sometimes. I mean, you can kind of tell based on how the crowd is reacting to certain things. If they're getting it, I don't. You know, I'd prefer not to, unless like you know, I have a joke on the on my first I'm waiting for twenty forty two about roots. And I, you know, have to explain what roots is to a lot of people. You have to explain what ex- roots is? Yeah, you'd be surprised. When I made the joke initially, like people just froze up. And I'm trying to walk by these two people on the street when I overhear what the black woman is saying to the white child. This is what she's saying: "Toby, your name is Toby. Can you say it? That's your name. Say it. Your name is Toby. Your name is Toby. One, two, three, four, five. One, all right, all right." about about 20 of you in the core demographic. Um, For the rest of you who are like, why is this interesting that his name is Toby? There's a book slash miniseries by Alex Haley called Roots. And in Roots, a slave Kunta Kinte is brought to America and is told his name is Toby and refuses to be called Toby so he's whipped repeatedly. Your name is Toby. Kunta Kinte. Whip. Toby. Kunta Kinte. Whip. Absolutely horrific. Now, flash forward to my neighborhood in Brooklyn two years ago. I saw a black woman tell a white child that his name was Toby. And there was nobody else there to see this. It was just me the whole time. Like, what the, wow. Wow. I have been in a writing slump. This is perfect. You know, all of a sudden people remembered Roots or the people who didn't know what Roots was, like, they got the joke because I kind of explained it and then made the joke again. And And the idea that I would explain it Would be funny, but you know that was a a clever way to do it, um, because I was frustrated that a joke I felt everyone should know about, you know, things aren't fair, and the knowledge that we should know we don't know. I'm still glad it's getting out there. So,
1: what about are are there times, are there guidelines for the times when you want to specifically like cast Like, yo, I'm talking specifically to. Daisy people who are Americans who are millennials and you say something yeah. like are there guidelines around what you would say or any sort of like rule of thumb I mean I don't
2: need to explain much of anything I can go real deep you know mm-hmm. like when I'm with like other brown people and it's a brown it's like I don't do many brown shows I, it's not that I dislike them. I just don't do very many but when I do <laughs> it's, 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 it's no cuz some people don't cuz they don't want to be branded uh, oh you're just oh, for right. brown people and I'm like just brown people what the hell does that mean yeah. like yeah I like performing culturally because there's all these jokes I lose you know like white comics don't lose all those jokes you know culturally because like it's mainstream right but for us we lose tons of stuff that's hilarious because not everybody has an experience so I mean it's great to not explain and it's great to just get on with it Um, but when I'm on stage generally like I think about it in terms of a wide audience because early on I remember I didn't explain stuff as much and and I was stubborn about it, and it just meant that I lost laughs that I deserved because the joke was built well. But, yeah, there's something freeing about performing without that because you're just talking in a conversation.
0: Yeah, it feels like if you do want to reach the broadest possible audience, you have to do the explanatory comma, mm-hmm. which makes me feel like you're watering it down a little bit. It doesn't have that – I don't know. It doesn't have that savor It doesn't have that flavor that – I would want the product to have, if we were just gearing it towards an audience of color. Am I allowed I mean, to say that? No, I feel bad for saying that.
2: No, I think, but I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, because I mean, there's some examples I'm sure that like it doesn't lose as much impact, mm-hmm. and some where it's like, man, we're really getting into something, and then all of a sudden it has to be like, you know. The Black Panthers were a very important, you know, like... Right. Let
0: me give you an example. Okay. I had a story on NPR's All Things... No, it was on Morning Edition. Mm -hmm. So it was broadcast. It wasn't on the uh, podcast. Things are a little bit, you know, stiffer. And (laughs) (laughs) um, I was doing a piece about a Ghanaian web series, and the director referenced Nollywood. And right after she referenced Nollywood, I said, I came back... And said, she's talking about West Africa's version of Hollywood in Nigeria, also known as Nollywood. What do you think? Mm. Sh- should I? <laughs> <laughs> I-,
1: I feel like we about-
0: don't do that for Bollywood.
1: No, we wouldn't do that for Bollywood. No,
2: because it's it's broad enough. But Nollywood, like, I know what it is, but not I don't know. I mean, I also grew up in Queens, you know. You know
0: you right. Pick up stuff. I tried to make it as natural as possible within the flow of the yeah. story, but it just felt like it took me out of the story, and I'm assuming that it probably took other people out of the story. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's
2: better. Well, I mean, if if I was, let's say I was Nigerian, and I heard that immediately, it's like, oh, this is not for me.
1: Yeah, That's so that is the yeah. thing I think that we're worried about, that feeling right there is like, okay, we explain this, and you're like, oh, this is too 101 for the people that we think we're talking to.
2: I think that... When a person of color is put in a position where they um, get to be a lead in a part or get to share their story, it has to be justified, you know, and it has to be explained and and, and made mainstream, right? And when we were growing up, you know, everything was white, basically, you know, on mainstream Mm -hmm. television and film. We had to figure it out. We had to, you know, we couldn't be like, I'm sick of seeing people that don't look like me and don't represent my stories. Then we couldn't enjoy anything. And so, you know, we had to absorb and figure it out. And since because of white supremacy, they don't need to absorb and figure it out all the time. It's such a new concept. Um, And so I I would imagine it's frustrating. Like, oh, my God, they're doing a story about Nollywood. I don't need to just figure it out. Oh, they explained it. Really, it's for them. After all this, after all this thing is not. this is finally this is not going to be covered anywhere else. Okay, great.
0: Thanks. You're making me feel terrible about this. No, I mean, it's
2: it's not—we're stuck. I mean, it's a weird situation to be in, right? Because I don't want to leave people out because there's a lot of, like, you know, I want people to be educated on a broad range of things. And it really, I guess— it depends on your purpose. Like, are you making something inside baseball or are you making something that is trying to explain the game to people? And that's a different, I mean, those are two different goals. Can
0: you walk a line? Can you walk a line is is what we're trying to figure out.
1: Right. So we're, we're thinking about like the spectrum, of, It's a continuum. On one end is Morning Edition, right? Which is where Shireen's piece was broadcast and it's, they're going for this big audience with millions of people. Um, it's like easy entry for everybody. They're as broad as possible, right? Right. Or something like The Read, right? Which is, a podcast that we love, and also there's no explaining, right? Like, it's like you have to get all these references. If you don't know who Future's
0: baby mama is, and if you don't know, I mean, too bad, you're going to be left behind.
1: Right, it's like there's all this assumed knowledge, and so some of that is like, okay, this is really in-group, right? This is someone who's speaking specifically to me if you are a, like, diehard... Listener to the read. But I bet for a bunch of people, there's like a big barren to entry too. Like, because I have like, oh, I have no idea what they're talking about right now. I
2: mean, when, when people had to explain a tribe called Quest on NPR, my, uh, I, my brain almost
1: exploded. Uh, I, I was. Uh, you, you so know. me and Serena are huge tribe fans. So I was like, oh my gosh.
0: Right. I mean, I've listened to uh, critiques of our podcast, and people have said, you know, certain brown people have said, I like it much better when you guys don't do that. You know, it's it sounds like you. You sound more comfortable. You sound more like we've
2: already taken the intro courses. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that was, like you know, our lives. Like we've already done all that work. Why do we have to fall behind because somebody else didn't do the required reading?
0: Hmm. I feel like you started this out being a real promoter (laughs) of. The explanatory <laughs> comma. And I feel like you're now on our dark side.
2: No, of- I'm I'm kind of in between. I'm like, it depends on what your purpose is, right? It's nuanced. If like it's like you wanna reach as many people as possible, you have to do it. And I do it reluctantly. <laughs> but I do it and I find I try to make the most of it. So I'll try to make a joke out of it. I'll make sure I express some frustration. I try to make it clear that like This is something you should know. I don't want people to feel bad, but I want you to know that this is important to a lot of people. I mean, until there is a fairer media representation, until we're taught in schools, a broader range of history, like this is the way it's going to be. And until that time, like I'd rather people get educated and be on the same page and be able to understand bigger ideas than not.
0: I feel like we should leave it right there. I think
2: so, too. <laughs> yeah, because what better way to leave something with a comedian than something that was so sad and depressing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Misery loves company, though. I actually felt good after I heard you say that. I was like, okay, we're not alone.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's definitely something that's shared. And, um, I mean, geez, I have a joke, uh, a couple of jokes now, where I have to do the comma, basically. The one's about mangoes. Tell you it.
1: Can you do it? Um, I mean, we're not paying like, you, but can you do it?
2: Um like I say like Indian people love uh, love mangoes you might be thinking I love mangoes no you don't you like mangoes Indian people love mangoes and I explain what that means Is it
0: like the the biting off the top and sucking out the the juice? Yeah. That's what we do in Puerto Rico. And,
2: and I say it's like the walking dead we just like <laughs> take the skull and we just like and then I make a reference I don't explain, but hope people figure it out. And then there's things like this that get said, I want to suck the seed. No, I want to suck the seed. <laughs> and, like, people get it, get it. And if not, you figure it out. and Go buy yourself a mango. It's delicious. It's, a, it's experiment.
1: <laughs> Hari Kondobulu is a comedian. He is the co-host of Politically Reactive. He has an album out right now called Mainstream American Comic. Thank you for rocking with us, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, y'all. That's our show. As always, we want to hear from you. Email us at codeswitch at npr.org. Follow us on Twitter at nprcodeswitch, obviously. You should definitely, definitely subscribe to our podcast wherever fine podcasts can be found or streamed.
0: And wasn't it fun, Gene? It, it was, was a such fun. A, fun it was a fun show.
1: Episode.
0: I didn't want Hurry to go away.
1: Yeah, I know. It's good to have some lightness, you know.
0: I loved it. Can we have him on all the time?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I am right. trying try pay him, though. You know what I mean?
0: How, how do our producers feel about that? I don't know, but our producers of this podcast are Rund Abdel Fatah and Walter Ray Watson. Slick. <laughs> and our editorial assistant is Leah Danella. Original music by Ramtin Arablouei.
1: Much love to the rest of the Code Switch team: Adrian Florido, Karen Grigsby Bates, Cat Chow. Our editor is Keith Woods. I'm Gene Demby. We are back next week.
0: And I'm Shereen Marisol Meraji.
1: Be easy. Peace.
2: People from the Philippines, people from Mexico, you know, people from the islands, anywhere where there are mangoes, people talk to me about their mango experience and it becomes this great unifying bit. The only thing I know that unifies people of color more than mangoes is uh, racism. (laughs) I've thought about doing a mango podcast. I don't know if NPR would fund it, but I would love to do a mango podcast. So it's just a bunch of people who like mangoes talking about the mango they just ate. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with that?